0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Community, a podcast of and by Civsource Africa, where we tell stories about African giving, generosity, and philanthropy. Season 12 is a compilation of stories of generous movers. And by generous movers, we mean people that give of the gift of mobility for good causes. This can be running, hiking, golfing, swimming, Whatever it is, as long as you're moving your body for a good cause, those are the stories that we are telling. Today, I have a guest called David, and we are in the beautiful city of Johannesburg in South Africa. David, tell us a bit
1: about yourself. Thanks, Jackie. So, um, I'm born and bred. um... And buttered. (laughs) (laughs) In Worcester, in the in the Western Cape of South Africa, but I've been living in Johannesburg for the last uh, 30 years. Mm-hmm. And for most of my professional life, I've worked in, let's say, the development philanthropy space um, with a very strong focus on Africa. And mm-hmm. I've traveled and worked across across the continent and continue to do so today. Okay. What do you
0: love most about the continent, given the work that you've done around development and philanthropy? What do you think is unique about us that the rest of the world doesn't quite understand?
1: Sure, uh, it's, a, it's, a big, it's a big question. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Africa, obviously, not to um, state the obvious, but I think in, in its diversity lies the beauty, but also the challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, Many challenges we we share in terms of what it might entail, be it education or health, whatever. But at the same time, I think in, in our own country or city or regional context, these things have very unique nuances. And I think you have to be sensitive to that. You have to make an effort in understanding it in terms of trying to find solutions and interventions. Yeah. So take us back way
0: back when to the first time that you remember either experiencing generosity or being a, 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 you know, either as a receiver or as a contributor? What comes to mind?
1: So basically from, from my student days, you know, I had a, a love affair with, with traveling in Africa and going to places long before I think even, you know, South Africa's reintroduction to the international community i was already out in zimbabwe and swaziland and namibia trying mm-hmm. to see and experiences places and spaces and you know i think from a from that young age i think you know it was very clear to me that you know there are you know one is probably fairly or very privileged compared to other people's circumstances. Mm -hmm. And in be it in a small way or in a big way, you you have an obligation of of putting back and and giving back. So Mm -hmm. as I said earlier, my whole professional career I've I kind of dedicated to this type of work. So so I can't think of anything big. I I almost feel like the the way I conduct my work and, and the way the work that I do in some small way hopefully is making a contribution. But you know, as we come to, say, some of the, the other things that we will discuss this morning, obviously, I have been later in my career, tried to do more deliberate things as part of my work, but also parallel to my work, be it in terms of, say, fundraising or awareness raising of organisations and good causes that goes beyond, say, what I, my day-to-day responsibility entails, but to help others in terms of what they are busy with and how I can kind of give back, share, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And, and where does that come from? Your sense of,
0: I, I need to give back, I need to pay it forward. Where does that come from?
1: Sure. Uh, it's probably you have to, well, now I feel very old, but you probably <laughs> have to go back to one's upbringing, your parents. Yes. Um, both my parents were very religious, so... You know, were always involved in kind of church-related um, activities, you know, fundraising or um, baking cakes or, or doing stuff, you know, that in some small way was their way of giving back and yeah. contributing. So I'm, I'm sure I've, I've picked up on, yeah. on something like that. I have been, I think, socially especially in a country like South Africa and kind of my own background, I have always been very conscious of circumstances, most probably a little bit um, ahead of, say, if I think back at school or varsity, some of my peers. So I've always been, be it say that you're intrigued or concerned about stuff in society around you, Mm -hmm. um, which in many ways I think informed or, or contributed to the career path that I've taken. And you know, it's obviously something that even thirty years later I'm still heavily involved in and, and there's still a lot of work to be done. Wow. So
0: now moving to one of the aspects of your life which is you're a very active person and I remember the first time I met you in person and you told Barbara and I a crazy story about a desert thing that you did uh, can you tell our listeners who weren't in that conversation um but no even before the desert story
1: just um you're an active person what what drives that what why do you do the things you do I think so first of all you know I'm like probably most South Africans I'm fairly sport mad so be it that you play every possible sport as a kid or you just become a supporter a spectator um, of your national or your provincial teams etc etc so sport in that sense has always been close to me and Mm -hmm. it's uh, you know and it is um, you know it's Yeah. You know, as South Africans, we also can get very stressed out about our sport teams, whatever. But sport for me is is an important part of my life, be it as a player, as a follower, Mm a spectator, whatever. Mm -hmm. So um, and I've I've played sport, be it rugby or cricket or tennis or golf all my life. Uh, But giving, you know, life choices, career choices, you know, obviously probably stopped doing most of that stuff soon after school. Mm Um, but my wife, I've always been um, a very keen cyclist, especially when we were much younger. And uh, I've always had some side-snide comment to make about me not doing much. So I can still remember in, in, in December of 1999, just before you know the change in centuries and 2000 around the corner, um, she, you know, again, one day she said something and I made her there, I will go and run the Comrades Marathon, which is South Africa's unique 90 kilometer race between Durban and Peter Marisburg. Never having run, say, more than five or 10 k's in my life. So it was basically six months later. And because we uh, um, shook hands on it, I, I was forced to go and do it. So. I finished the race with a few minutes left on the clock, almost died in the process. <laughs> oh, I'm but so sorry for laughing, but it is funny. But yes some or another that intrigued me. Mm-hmm. That you know. Okay, fine. So then wow. I did uh, because you know. But you what
0: did you have to do? You say it like it was a yeah. So then I went oh. and I did no, it. No, I, 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 No, it was an
1: eye opener because <laughs> suddenly you start reading about marathon running and long distance running. Yes. And there's no shortcuts. Maybe there's other things in life you can take a shortcut. Yes. And you can still achieve. But you know when you start talking about a ninety-kilometer race. There's unfortunately no shortcuts. There's probably one in a million people that can just go and do it without any training, whatever. Yes. But for any ordinary person, you need to put in the effort yeah. to do it. So I did this race in, in, in 2000. And then because what is interesting about this race, one year you run up from Durban to Peter Marisburg, and then the following year you run down. So you kind of, if you do the one, you also want to do the, the, mm. the second one to have kind of both experience both yes. because it's actually it's the same race but two very different experiences wow. up and down yes and then mm. I did it the third time and then that was it you know doing the same thing over and over and I made my point Talian couldn't say anything more about my lack of effort I've proven that yes. I'm capable yes. and then I stopped mm. for seven years I didn't run around the block Yes. I, I, I did my running. I proved myself. Yes, yes, yes. And then again, strange things happen on, on the nine. So where I, I made the bet in 1999, in 2009, again, in December holidays, I was flicking through the, the um, television channels and I came across this crazy thing of a desert race where, where Comrades Marathon is a 90 kilometer race, uh, one day yeah, people run for five six days usually around about 250 kilometers of which then the equivalent of a comrade 80k or a 90k stage in the race is then kind of the final leg so you almost run three four five marathons and then you run a comrades on the last day and i thought that's impossible yeah but it's like something sit on your come sit on your shoulder and you kind of man what is this thing um, and I started reading about it and I felt there's a challenge. Yeah. And at the time I was still, um, was saying it and come January, I went back to the office and said, guys, here's an opportunity to raise money because, you know, we do this or that or a fun run, whatever. Yes, of course, people will, will that could be a way of, of, of raising money. But what if we do this crazy thing? I will I will be the guinea pig. I'll go and run it. But we do it as an organization and we branded it as No Pain, No Gain. And suddenly it became a thing for Sangonet for a few years. And, and Sangonet is for those that don't know it. At the time, it was the Southern African NGO network, yes. which was an IT a network whereby the organization Sangonet was connecting Nonprofits, NGOs in Southern Africa with technology, initially uh, internet services, dial-up, you know, still back dial-up days, training courses, developing their websites. And then over time that evolved into, say, knowledge management, online services, advocacy work, policy work around technology. Um, So we took on the no pain, no gain campaign, which, as you said, initially was about saying that specifically and then in later years, we also brought in other organizations, you know, be it the Cancer Association, Endangered Wildlife Trust, almost as a consortium, because, again, that also teaches you a little bit how some fundraising campaigns could be successful. So the whole thinking was we bring four or five Big organizations together with all their own fundraising muscle yes. we will attract a much wider audience but then you also realize suddenly people don't know who am i actually supporting so yes. that's a bit of a side issue but we ex- we use the campaign to also experiment with different ways of raising money not that we raise you know millions of rands but we raised money on one side but the awareness that we created about initially about sangrenate organization and then also with bringing these other organizations on board and linked to the campaign because everyone you know this craziness people like to be associated or support something that is crazy or that they feel that you know as an ordinary person i can't do but i've actually the proof that ordinary people can can do this stuff yeah so that is where it started in 2010 running deserts um to obviously finish the race on a personal level but using that experience to raise money to raise awareness um initially for an organization that i was directly involved in mm-hmm. and after i left it uh, in 2013 for the next seven years i continued doing these races once twice a year and every time i would pick this organization that was or is close to me. Maybe I've come across them in the past. I've done something with them or just because of the issues that they work on. For instance, in 2014, I went to do a race in Antarctica and I picked Greenpeace Africa to put the whole spotlight on climate change. Climate change was kind of the the umbrella under which we did it. But in the fundraising link to that, we raised money for solar lights in a township north of Johannesburg so that bringing in the gender-based violence and other mm-hmm. angles to it that, that say women or people or the community don't w- have to walk down kind of a dark street at night. So there was an awareness-raising campaign in terms of climate change, yes. but there was a very practical intervention that the money that we raised through through that campaign ultimately contributed to at, at the end of the day. So I supported Greenpeace Africa as one example. I did a, a run in Burkina Faso for the one campaign where we over the five days of the race every day we we kind of highlighted an an issue at that stage it was just interesting the campaign the the one campaign was focusing on five core issues be it education health poverty relief etc etc so every day we dedicated to to a specific issue but then it evolved i work um with the nelson mandela children's fund my Mm -hmm. last race in 2018 i dedicated to that and the money that they uh, were not only raising for the infrastructure, but the day-to-day work of, of, of the hospital. Um, you know, as I said, I did for the Cancer Association. Um, yeah, so so to also so it remained, you know, about the big thing. F- f- first of all, the lesson in all of this is also if you take on these big challenges for the sake of raising money and awareness, there is the 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 slight obligation that you actually have to finish the race. It, yes. You kind of diminish the, the other bit if you yes. you, you finish, you, you pack up after a day or two. So mm-hmm. I I obviously had to put in a lot of effort in the physical side and, and getting myself yes. ready and try to learn from other people that have done it. So going to Antarctica, you know, in South Africa we have, say, a, a guy by the name of Brahma Larba. He and a friend of his, I walked to the South Pole. So he, he experienced Antarctica uh, in his most challenging environment. So I spent some time with him. You know, how do you survive, run, cope in those type of conditions? What type of gear do you use? So you really you, you, you really embrace the challenge, not only in the physical side, you know, the, the, the context or the environment in which you're going to do it. And then obviously, the, on the fundraising awareness side, you have to embrace the organization. You know, I, I always felt that If you do something for an organization that you're not part of it can come across very superficial if you just Mm -hmm. say the right things and and people can see through you you don't really understand you know what greenpeace or any of these other organizations are about the issues how how they articulate the issues You, you have an obligation if you're going to be on television talk about your race and then the follow-up question is so you are supporting organization x tell us why you do it what are they about what are you trying to accomplish you have to really um get stuck in those issues understand them to make it to make it meaningful so so COVID in a certain way brought my um desert running to to some extent to an to a close, maybe it is a chapter that is closed, but in the back of my mind, maybe there's still a lingering thought or two of doing doing more of these races. But you know, I've done 11 of these races on all seven continents, was the first African to do, to complete a race on all seven of of the continents. So it was uh, an amazing experience on, on, obviously in terms of the physical challenge, but I think the memories that I take from it is the other part to it those organizations that you could support so if you at the end of the day line the tent with blisters or whatever and you say what the hell am i doing here actually there's a bigger cause and and i think with most things in life that i have approached or tried to take on there has to be a challenge to it to make it meaningful and if if the meaningful the side of it relates to again where we started the conversation you know making a difference or even if it's a insignificant small difference in the life of, of someone then it's still a contribution yes. it's still better than, than nothing at the yeah, end of the day
0: yeah. Wow David that, that is so amazing what you've said in terms of it's not even just about the physicality, the physical effort, although that one must do, but it's also locking into the purpose, the cause for which you're doing the run and getting to know intimately the issue, the people, the cause, the drive and bringing those two things together for it to be meaningful. Wow. And I was, I was thinking, if your feet were to tell us a story, (laughs) what story would they tell? Like what, what do you think your, your feet would
1: say? We're glad we did this or put us together with David that, that's a in, that's a very interesting thing because if you if you look at say some of the the photos and and and, and the, the videos of be it my feet or the feet of other desert runners yes on the surface that's that's not a good news story so yes. so I can imagine one one's feet don't necessarily like the experience of running through a desert in yes. 40, 40 degrees plus temperatures, etc, yes. etc. Cetera, et cetera. But again, you know, you won't say that tongue in the cheek, but that's... So even in, in the training for these races, you know, you, you, you're looking for for reasons why you're doing it. Because mm. you know, I, I always approach these, uh, these races as kind of a six, seven month project yes. and so forth. The next seven months... I need to have a plan. You know, you start small and you build it up so that a month before the race, maybe you average, say, 100, 220, 150 kilometers a week and you have done so many long runs, whatever. So there have to be a project in terms of the training side. There have to be a project in terms of the awareness raising, the fundraising, whatever. But sometimes in the, in the training runs, you, you, as you, 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 you question yourself when you're in the race, but once you're in the race, there's no turning back. But you know, there's still four months to go to the race, and you have to go run 20 ks this afternoon after work. Sometimes you struggle with that motivation. Yeah, nice. um, but you also know you, if you don't do it today, you don't have the time to make up the 20. That, yeah. So you can maybe you can maybe skip a day or two here and there. But you can't make that can't become a pattern because no. then by the time you get to the race, you know you will be mm-hmm. underprepared. Mm-hmm. And mentally, uh, because these races, as much as they're physical, I think it's the, the 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 mental side. Because do you wanna do you wanna put your body through it? Yeah. Um, so obviously you can train for that from a physical point of view. But if, you're, if you get up in the morning and just don't feel like it, you're in trouble. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that mental thing of even if it's a five k run or a twenty k run, when you don't feel like doing it or it was a beautiful day you're looking forward to your run and then five o'clock there's a thunderstorm in Johannesburg now are you going to run you're going to sit it out um I think that also shape you and in some small wow. ways um you know not only for the race but I think in terms of life and challenges and things that life throws at you maybe it just helps you to cope with it or respond to it um different to other people that maybe are that don't go you don't have to go through the pain of running through the desert but i think in in, in other ways it, it just helps you to uh with again with what life challenges on yeah, a day-to-day yeah, level yeah, yeah
0: and i think finally you know when you say it is also about no shortcuts mm-hmm. and i think doing good in this world for the different causes there is no shortcuts because there are people yeah. all day every day going through these challenges they don't get to get a shortcut sure. right so sure. just committing to the purpose to the cause to the good so david thank you so much for sharing your story um i i i'm going to ask this and if you don't have a proverb that is fine but i was thinking <laughs> what is the because we're in in south africa <laughs> Uh, you guys speak like 101 languages (laughs) but yeah, if you were to think of um, a proverb, a saying even a person that embodies for you, this is who we are as a generous people in South Africa, what would that be? Or who would that be?
1: I think there's two issues that come to mind. So um, if, if you if you follow, say, this, you know, if you, well, it's it's not too difficult to follow the story of Nelson Mandela. But yes. I think his book about the long road to freedom, you know, you obviously it took a long time from being jailed to, to his release. Yes. So that is a long walk. Yes. But you can read in that long walk many other long walks, you know, you know getting South Africa to where it is today was a long walk, giving mm-hmm. us our, yes. our history, et cetera, et cetera. So I think there's something in that, in terms of say, again, in terms of no shortcuts. You almost had to go through the pain, the struggle, in a South Africa context to get that. And, and if, if that is not inspirational, well, then there's a problem for you. Mm-hmm. And then on a very practical level in Afrikaans, we've got a word called fuzzbait. And fast bite basically means, you know, you don't give up, right? Okay? Mm-hmm. And you will often hear whatever people's language, you know, the word fast bait. People will know that word and will use it because if if, if get, things get tough, um, bait fast, fast bait is then, you know, think about that word because as long as you, if, if you have that in your head and that drives you, you will get to your finishing line. Whatever your finishing line is, be it yeah. your runner race, you have to complete a task. You have to accomplish something. If you've got bait in you and you believe in that, probably you will get to your end result. Yeah, wow. And that's a beautiful way to land this bait
0: <laughs> and long walk. Yeah. Thank you so much, David. Thank you to our listeners for listening into this conversation and see you again next Thursday when we bring you another amazing guest. Bye.